Welcome back to the Femininity Project podcast. I'm Sarah Bogdanova, your host, and today we are talking all things dating. So I've taken questions that I've got from Instagram and through my private Art of Dating Facebook page. If you want to be part of that conversation, I'm going to leave the link in the show notes. And it's not just going to be me today. So I have somebody who's coming in to help provide the male perspective to your questions. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yes, my name is Vlad Bogdanov, and I'm a husband of this beautiful lady. Are you excited? Delighted. Super excited? Ecstatic. Okay. All right, so we're going to jump right in. The first question is, when is the right time to ask, what are you looking for? You want to go first? Sure. I think that's a great question. Like To me, in your relationship, whether it's a partner or a friend or somebody to work in business with, it's always about the two things. Right? So the first thing is the chemistry, and the second part is the character, right? So chemistry is about the personality, interest, and energy, and character is about the value of that person. So when you go to meet somebody new, I like the first meeting and that first day to be all about fun. Do we have that chemistry? Do we get along? Can we have fun? And then after that first date, build it up and look into the character. Okay, is this person solid and responsible into it, right? Because on one end, early, this is a very serious matter, right? Because you're looking for a partner for the rest of your life. And it's a very serious and important stuff. But at the same time, you don't want your life to be all serious. You want to have some fun and excitement, right? So even though it's not all about excitement, you want to have a little bit of both. And because if you just have somebody with a good character, good values, but you don't have any chemistry, the life could be a little dull. And if you just have chemistry and no character, it could be a disaster. So I'd like to start and make the first date all about the fun, all about the light stuff. See, do we connect? How much fun do we have? How do we connect in terms of energy? And then from the second on, you start getting a little bit more serious and you start uncovering a little bit more about character. I agree with you. In the beginning, all you should be doing is information gathering. You should be assessing whether this guy has the qualities, the competence, and if you have enough chemistry together for you to be interested in him. It doesn't matter if he's looking for something casual, a girlfriend, or a wife. If you're not interested in what he brings to the table, you don't need to know his preferences. I find so many women go on dates and they become fixated, and I would almost say borderline obsessed with making sure whoever's in front of them likes them back. Now, when you're acting in this state, you're not present, you're not aware, and you don't have the ability to take in the information around you. So before you even care, what is this guy looking for? Make sure that you see enough qualities in him to be interested in him. Yeah, I think it's a great point. Focus on assessing, not impressing. Because when your mind is so preoccupied on making a good impression and making him like you, that you don't have space and you forget to pay attention to analyze whether he is your guy or not. So that's the part that you need to be focusing on, analyzing, paying attention, and getting information whether or not he's your guy, whether you should be making a good impression or not. Okay, and typically, if a guy is serious about you, one of the things that you can start to watch is how quickly he brings up sex. If he is bringing this up super early, usually that means that he's put you into a different category. Instead of wifey material, he's starting to think more casual, Another aspect of this is you can inform him of where to put you based on whether or not you bring up sex and how how casual you are towards it, even the way that you dress. Would you agree with that? Yes, this comes the, now the question of the boundaries, right? It's like where you draw the boundaries, the way you 
want to be treated the kind of treatment you demand from another person establishes a certain value are you serious about yourself are you gonna demand a serious treatment towards you right like even with us like in the beginning when we started dating i was young i wasn't looking for anything serious i was just dating around but the way you conducted yourself and the way you pushed it made me think and understand okay it's gonna be serious just like the way you were talking the boundaries that you had the way you conducted yourself forced me into a different behavior so in this case sometimes you may even find the guy who's in the beginning not looking for anything serious but after a few days he is gonna feel about you a completely different way based on how you conduct yourself yeah so for us i wasn't looking for something serious either but when we went on those first few dates, we weren't talking about that. And I think that's actually a good way to go. We were seeing, do we like each other enough? And then what Vlad said, he was looking for something casual, but how I acted and also how he acted, it made us both think, okay, there's something more here. Now we're both interested in seeing where this goes. Question number two, how do you communicate sexual boundaries? The first step is to actually figure out your own worldview around your own sexual boundaries. So this is a step that you need to do before you get into a situation where you can be tempted. What do you think? I think that part is spot on, right? Understanding what exactly my boundaries, I think is critical because that's another part when you don't want to be making a decision on the spot. It's almost like Olympic athletes said with dieting. It's like, oh, okay. before I sit down on a meal, I decide beforehand whether I'm going to have or not have dessert so the same thing in here the clearer you are the more you can inflict that and not making decision in the heat of the moment so that's part one and then part two how do you actually protect that boundary i think first in the beginning you start with a little bit of humor a little bit of play because sometimes somebody may cross this boundary unintentionally because the people also don't know where your boundary is so as you're moving along you're going to be testing each other just both sexually and just even emotionally mm -hmm. you're gonna you're not gonna know where each other's boundary is so at first when somebody crosses it for the first time by accident it's almost like think about somebody's trespassing on your territory it's like just like you don't have a fence but somebody just walked over on your garden you're not gonna pull out a rifle and shoot them right but if they're kind of trying to knock into your house you're gonna get the hammer and do some damage in there <laughs> So the same thing I like to think in here, somebody okay, accidentally crosses that boundary for the first time, handle that with a little bit of play, a little bit of humor. But if they persist and go on further, this is you tell them to back the fuck off. This is not a swearing podcast. Uh, it's not for children either. <laughs> okay, so a couple things about that. One, I think you shouldn't put yourself in situations where it opens the door for that. Like it's easier to protect yourself than to be in the situation and then have to deal with it. So if you're just getting to know a guy, don't spend a lot of time at his house. Don't spend a lot of time in his car. Make sure that you create atmospheres that don't put you in a, in a situation where you're going to be tempted to go further than you want to go. Great point about, I didn't even think about it. It's like going to somebody's place or uh, bringing him to your place or going to his place. Because if you don't want to push that sexual boundary, what are you doing in his house to begin with? What are you hel helping him arrange furniture or do you actually want some tea? Right? <laughs> That's another part. If you don't want to... Yeah, they want tea. Right? <laughs> if you don't want to push through that boundary, there is no absolute no reason for you to be at his house or him to be at your house. You just spend your time in a neutral territory, go for walks, go for a restaurant, and that's it. Just don't put yourself in a position because that right there already gives a signal. Because like as as a guy, if you as a woman are in my house, like 
like what else are you there you want to watch a movie just hang out no mm -hmm. i think it's also opening up the door to be a tease so even if you don't want to even if you know that you're not going to follow through and go further than you want to go putting yourself in those situations can give him that idea and it is kind of it will give him it will idea. give him that idea yeah and it is kind of playing with him now if he keeps pushing because some men are persistent aren't they no i, I <laughs> like, don't see that happening explain what you said about how men will push the boundaries well sometimes there is a little bit of the part you even you can watch that with young boys when they play around it's like that was the thing that we watched our pastor talked about relationships when they did the studies between um, boy little boys and little girls when they put like a, was it a cookie or something in the center of the room and the mother mother was there so the girl came in look at the thing look at the mother mother said no and the girl stayed away the boy came in he looked at the thing he looked at the mother mother said no he went over and took it anyway so that's sometimes a little bit of that rebellious part and if, if you get a no you would still go push for it so now obviously important part is making sure that it's not going out of the healthy boundary right mm -hmm. you so, pushed yes i definitely pushed yeah the other thing i would say with that is it was playful but once the boundaries were firmly established you really respected it and you didn't push past that mm -hmm. yes. one other thing not shaming the guy with his sexual advances. So I think that's a way that women often cope with feeling uncomfortable is they try and make the guy feel bad about what he wants. That's not a recipe to make anything great happen. You can express your boundaries without shaming somebody else. I would even add, as you said, to the boundary, because the guys are gonna push it, they're also gonna test to see if it's for real. Ooh, do, yeah. you do you mean what you say or is it just for the surface? All right, because that is the part you say, oh, I don't do this or I don't do that. And then he's going to push and he's going to test it. Do you just say it is or is it actually for real? Yeah, if there's a whole bunch of, oh, I've never done this before, but you keep mm -hmm. doing this. Yes. What in your mind does that do? If, say, you're with somebody, they've given you a boundary, they push past the boundary. How do you view that woman? Just a woman. And it, but you would think the same way with the person in general. It's better not have any boundaries from the beginning than establish the boundary and then let somebody cross it and walk all over it. All right? That just way, way worse because there is no your your self-respect just goes out the window, right? The way they view you and what do your words mean. All right. On to the next question. Question number three. What are some ways you know a man is going to be a provider? follow-up question how do you communicate you want more traditional roles take it away well you you can see it in small and in big things right you can see in small little gestures when he likes to do something for somebody and you know how people have this debate or oh, should the guy pay for dinner or should it not is like you can see this in a desire to pay for the dinner and not just on a date but even sometimes for his friends when he's out with his friends maybe once in a while he'll pick up the tap or he'll go get something for his family without just thinking oh look you owe me three dollars 24 cents for this coffee right so those like little gesture when he wants to do and bring something to another person not just the wife but even friends co-workers family and anybody around him right so in small little gestures to generosity is that what you're saying 
to a degree, not just generosity, but even desire to get give something, right? That's sort of the word provide. I think it's even better. Right? It's like you bring somebody a coffee or you bring somebody a gift, like in small little things, right? And the second thing in the big part, so you can ask him like how his family grew up, like what was the dynamic between mother and father and how does he envision the life? What are the roles for a man and a woman? I think that's the easiest way to see what is the construct in his mind, what he's looking for. How does he envision the life of his family and the behavior in there? Because if, if he says, like, oh, like we both work, we contribute 50-50, we're a team together, this is one dynamic. And if his dynamic says, like, oh, like you handle your stuff, I handle my stuff, this is a different answer. Or when he says, like, okay, I'm going to work, I'm going to provide, and you can do whatever you want. This is a third dynamic. So I think that is the easiest part. Just ask about his vision for the future of his family and how it's going to play out into a day-to-day dynamic. Can you give an example? You're European. What were the roles like in Europe for men and women in the dating scene? In the dating scene? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not quite aware of dating. Like I left very young, so I never really dated seriously in there. But I can tell you growing up, like watching like a lot of other families, especially because being a kid in, in dancing, like when we're traveling and hanging around, there's a lot of kids and you can see a lot of parents coming to events and you can see a lot of these dynamics. And the commentary was like mostly, obviously men worked, mm-hmm. right? Because it was another part. It's like you did either heavy jobs or they traveled abroad to make some money while their wives stayed at home taking care of kids for like six months to a year and then they will come back with some cash from that right but also times like a lot of women work for example my mom was very so they had this kind of teamwork collaboration together from the beginning would the woman expect a man to pay in europe a hundred percent okay and then would the man want to pay in europe a hundred percent so explain why that's more where i want to go with this why was that because when you came here you you paid for everything mm-hmm. that was really important to you at the beginning of our relationship and continues to be very important to you so what does that give you why do you want it and how do you look at women who go oh i'll pay 50 50. see that's another part like um the relationship itself that is obviously structural part to it like how does it function on this more of a mundane practical transactional way but there's also should be some magic to it so you would agree you don't just want a basic routine works it's not just the roommate that you're looking for and sometimes important part like through all these different political and cultural movements when you're you start looking at a relationship purely transactional okay is it a hundred percent equal is it perfect 50 50 is it this is it this and you start looking losing a little bit of that special exciting beautiful magic touch to it when somebody's gonna bring in flowers and you're not saying oh you brought me flowers well then i go gotta go and get you something right so we are 50 50. you're not just worrying about you're not worrying about equality you're worrying about are both of us treated special are we both treated well in whatever the outlets is, is like one thing that Brene Brown was talking about, that a relationship is never 50-50 perfectly. Some, it fluctuates. Important part you need to ask yourself is, am I treated well? And am I treating the other person well at whatever capacity? Because you don't always need the exact same amount. Mm-hmm. So as long as you both are treated well, it doesn't matter who's doing more or less. That is okay. An important part through these little gestures, like buying flowers or buying dinner, is just you show that relationship a little bit more special right you get a nice gift you dress up you do something fun okay so i feel like this is going to be a spin-off of many questions because 
in North America, it almost feels like we need to compete for our value and show the exact same value. But from what I've learned and also from what I've seen with you is men and women don't value the same things. So typically in most situations in Europe, if a woman said, I'm going to pay for dinner for you, what would that do? Would you be grateful? What would it? it it's, a, it's a turn off. It's a way to lose that magical touch again. Because like, think about another scenario. But when your friend brings you a gift for your birthday, right? Do they bring you a gift because you can't afford it or you need it? Well, maybe sometimes, right? But just because it's a birthday, it's a special thing. Like imagine if you're bringing a gift for your friend to, to their birthday and they're saying, oh, how much was it? Let me pay you back. Mm-hmm. And you said, oh, no, 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 it's just a gift. And I say, well, do you think I'm un- unable to get myself this scarf or whatever? Similar to when you compliment someone and then they're like, oh, this is nothing. Like this wasn't expensive. Oh, I look a mess. Yeah. It's kind of like you're shitting on the gift that they mm-hmm. just gave you. Right. And you're losing that special touch. You also misunderstanding what the gift is about. When you give somebody a gift, it doesn't always something that the person can get themselves. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it is, but there are sometimes gifts just because the occasion is special, whether it's a birthday or some sort of celebration, you're doing that gift to show, to highlight that exciting, special moment. Right. So the same thing when you go to dinner, you are when you're going on a date, you're not going to dinner because you're hungry. You're like, okay, it's 6 p.m. I haven't eaten all day. I'm going to go for food. Hey, is there any, I don't want to go alone. So who do I know who wants to go to have a dinner with me? No, the main thing about the dinner is that special romantic time together in a beautiful ambience, right? In a mm-hmm. nice place. And you happen to share a meal. You're not going there just specifically for the food. Right. So by making about the food and about the payment, you remove and completely destroy that exciting, magical ambience of that evening. Do you think a woman is entitled if she doesn't pick up the check, if she doesn't even reach for it? What's your impression of that? No, it's like, what is the dynamic? What kind of relation should you expect for? And think about it this way. It's like everybody going to have their own narrative playing in their mind anyways, right? So you're not, you're not going to please anybody this way. Sometimes you pick, you, it's like in a way with some people, you never win the game. You don't pick up the check, you're entitled. You pick up the check, you're too independent. So how do I win? Just figure out what you want and go with it. And who cares? If he doesn't like it, well, it's not your guy. Okay, so imagine you're on a great date. You you not personally because you're taken. But I've been taken to a lot of great dates by, <laughs> by you. Okay, so you're out on a great date. You've had an amazing time. She likes you. You like her. The bill comes. What should she do? What would your ideal woman do? Well, nothing because she's not going to have a split second to do anything. The moment the bill comes, I'm grabbing it. Same thing goes even when I'm out with friends, right? So but one of us grabs it right away or we split it sometimes. Like, but that's a friend dynamic. But when we're out on a date, there is no split second for you to do anything. The bill touches the table. Sometimes it doesn't even touch the table. I take it from their hand right away. Okay. And if he doesn't? Well, here's your guy. It's, it's <laughs> one, one of those little markers. It's obviously not make it or break it of a yeah. character. He could be nervous. He could be anything, right? So sometimes you may want to, if that's the only negative thing from the evening, you may want to give it a second chance and see maybe it was just nerves, but this is your sign of the certain level of proactivity. Okay. Good answer.
All right, question number four. How many chances should be given when the guy is just not showing up? Now, I'm going to take this to begin with. I think this is a bad attitude to go into a relationship with. If you're already thinking like, how many chances do I need to give him? That means he's already disappointed you to a pretty big extent that you're already trying to figure this out. So it's not your job to figure out why he's not showing up. He has to show up in your life if he's worth it. If he's not doing that, then there's plenty of other guys to date. What do you think? That's a good question. So obviously, depending on how literal and how figurative your meaning is like not showing up in general for you through gestures or he is he physically not showing up for a date he's just no show i think what she meant this person is he's just not consistent with his actions Mm. on and off that's a great question so a few things two quick analogies about it it's important part like when you go into a relationship you're not trying to fit the person to the construct in your mind you're trying to build your own story around this person to fit your dream image but instead you're looking to analyze this person and draw your own conclusion from it there's a beautiful example when you read sherlock holmes like when right in the beginning of the relationship when watson moved in and he started hanging out with sherlock and they're doing their first case together and they're driving in a carriage to the crime scene and watson is asking okay so what do you think that is like you know is it who who did this murder like is this person or that person and um sherlock turns to him and said watson there's a critical mistake to start making assumptions before you see evidence right because one one person right away is going to be tempted to twist the facts to fit the theories instead of theories fitting the facts so in this case a beautiful analogy how in life oftentimes when you meet people you're tempted to kind of right away you make up your mind oh this person seemed very cool right so and you have this fundamental attributional error so you once if you already built the image of this person in your mind you decided that this person good or nice or whatever ergo that all the negative evidence of their behavior you're going to disregard and every time they do something nice it's just going to support the case so instead you you got you got to look and audit the actions and make conclusion based from that action so when it comes to showing up you 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 cannot decide from the beginning oh this is a good guy i know this is a good guy without any evidence and then because then you're going to be making excuses for all his shit behavior mm-hmm. instead you have to look at the behavior and decide okay is this a good guy or not and obviously ask the question right because sometimes as the question because sometimes there may be a tough period in his life or maybe something serious had happened but there's here's where the second analogy comes in right it's like one thing's like if somebody puts a teaspoon of a poison in your coffee you're gonna drink it what's gonna happen you're gonna die and if somebody puts a teaspoon of sugar you're gonna drink it it'll be fine so now does it make like what are gonna happen if a friend by accident puts a teaspoon of poison in your coffee right you're gonna die no matter who that is right and if your enemy puts a teaspoon of sugar you're gonna be fine so the moral of the story is like it doesn't matter the intent of the person sometimes a bad thing is a bad thing so for example he may be a good guy but if he's going through a very very tough period in your life and he's incapable for the next little while giving you what you want you gotta back off he may have all the good intentions not be a bad guy but he's incapable of being in this relationship at the moment so you gotta back off give them space because your needs are still your needs Mm -hmm. and i think that's actually a really good point if he's going through something traumatic in his life and he lets you know it doesn't mean that you need to stick by him during that period especially if you're just starting dating but you can leave it on a positive note and perhaps in a couple months down the road when 
things have cleared up in his life, if you both have left it and dealt with it like respectable adults, there's a potential that it could come back together. Exactly. It's like not going from the extremes. Yeah. All right. Let's go on to the next one. Question number five, how to respond to deeply personal questions on date one and two that you just don't want to talk about? You naturally deal with that in any social encounters, right? So sometimes somebody might, first of all, not think about it. Somebody's trying to purposely find out these delicate details and push through your privacy. Sometimes people people have a different boundaries on privacy, just like sexual boundaries people have a different comfort zone the mm-hmm. same thing with privacy so first thing don't naturally assume that the person is trying to get in your business now second part i would do i like to address anytime somebody asks me a question they don't want to give a full on details in one or two ways the first one i give a general answer right for example oh like what's happening what's happening in your life you say oh i'm stressed because there is some health issues in family for example, right? So I'm not going to exact issues of who it is giving all the details. I'm just saying generically, oh, there are some health issues. So in this case, you can use the same idea and give us generic answer without going into details. Right? Or if you want, you can add a little bit of humor and just say, no, well, that's going to be a conversation definitely for a 10th date. That's what I was going to say. Charm goes a long way. People, like you said, are usually well-intentioned and we all have different comfort zones. For example, I am probably one of those people who pushes the personal boundaries. I like to go deep quite quickly. But a way that you can answer it, just like Vlad said, is a cute little, okay, well, well, you're a curious mind, or let's answer that on date number five. So you're playful with it. It's not a slap on the wrist, like naughty you for asking that question. You're opening the door for future dates, and you're handling it by also letting him know you're not ready to talk about it, but you can handle yourself gracefully. And you're also right there communicate, communicating that there's a certain level of trust that you naturally have to earn, which mm, is also make you look point. a little bit more special, right? Just like with any, even whatever, whoever it is, whether it's you're meeting a friend or dating a partner, right? That in your life, right, there is certain information that is only privileged to certain people. And you have this natural ladder there's ascending up, which is not a bad thing. It's a great thing. Right. So in this case, this kind of answer is assumes and communicates that, hey, you have certain boundaries so that as the relationship go deeper and more intimate, he's going to know about you things that other people don't know because it's more personal. And you're also wise, careful and cautious to whom you trust. All right. The next question. What if the guy you're dating likes bikini girls on Instagram, watches porn or goes to the strip club? Da, da, da. <laughs> I mean, how um, how is that even a question? I'm like, I mean, I understand how's it, but yes. absolutely no. Absolutely no. What okay, what, what is if, the reason? Yes. What is you gotta ask? Instead of asking why not, this is the one of those times you gotta flip the question and ask why yes. What what's good from it? Mm-hmm. I think this is a case where, especially women in North America have been brainwashed to try and be the cool girl. The girl that's fine with their husband going out or their partner going out to strip clubs, watching porn or watching all these people on Instagram. They don't want to seem insecure. So they pretend like it's cool. Now, I have a story about this. A lady that I used to go see for my nails, she was telling me how great it was that she went to the strip club with her partner. 
Now, it's so awkward. Uh, yeah, though, I, I understand. Okay, but here's the thing. She was probably 25 at the time. Now, I asked her, what if your partner, and, and she's a beautiful girl, said, what if your partner and you were going to the script club later when you're 50 and 60, and he's looking at these 25-year-old girls who you used to look like, but they're now dancing naked in front of him? How would you feel? And her face dropped. So there's a, a timeline, but once you open up that can of worms of this is okay, it's fine that we do it, how do you shut that? 100%, right? And it's like you're asking, what are you trying to get out of this, right? Because it's not the same as you're watching sports or you're watching a movie. And it's like, what are you trying to get out of this? What is the reason that you're going there and what you're getting out of this, right? So the first thing is obviously you got to start with understanding your worldview, right? What does the term of sexual immorality mean? Right. So in this case, like if you have a God centered worldview, so the, this question becomes, first of all, immoral. Right. But let's say if you don't have that worldview, you're not trying to honor God in your life, then you have to look at the data and analyze that. First of all, you can you can see a ton of data showing that how porn is damaging to their brain and how it alters your psyche and the effects on your behavior that it has in your day to day life. So it's clearly not good for you. It's going to poison and destroy your relationship slowly so now why do you want to keep taking the damage knowing that at some point is gonna backlash on you okay so let's say uh because i've seen this situation play out many times where women have a group of guy friends who all do this and they don't want their partner to do it how can they communicate this to him gently but firmly what would they say First of all, say it calmly, right? So not making a scene, not make a distraction. Say it very calmly, but very firmly that that's not the kind of life you want to sign up for. It's like if your friends or everybody around you is fine about it, I don't care. They don't have to live with you. I'm the one who has to live with you. And I'm going to be the one, the, the person who's going to get the consequences of your choices the most. Think about it in all the other areas. What would you do? What if your person, what is your, what if your spouse gambles? What if your spouse gets so pitch drunk so often that he gets into a lot of physical trouble, right? So you would approach these matters seriously. This one works in a similar way, right? This mm -hmm. one just had a very, very slow internal decay, mm -hmm. right? They're just going to show itself through whatever period of time when it's already too late to fix it. And you're going to be the one picking up the pieces. That's the part that you have to think about, not what everybody else thinks, like because you're going to be the one living with the consequences. It doesn't matter what all his friends are going to think about around him. They don't live with him. You are the one going to be living with him. So that's why your opinion here is the most important one. And I don't think that there's neutral choices. There's positives or negatives. So you're either doing things that strengthen your relationship or you're doing things that hurt your relationship. And a guy looking at any naked woman who's not you is definitely going to be hurting your relationship. So you can bring that up to him and say, I'm going on this path. I'm moving in this direction. I want a man who respects and protects our family. So you do decisions in your life to protect you from temptation. He needs to do the same. So be firm in communicating that and clear about what you want and he can take it or he can leave it. Next question, when is the right time to talk about past relationships and how to frame the question without being too intrusive? What do you think about talking about past relationships? It's an interesting question. First of all, 
you don't talk about past relationship before you build anything with a new one. That is one way to start bonding over the wrong thing. It's like, fo- don't focus about what everybody else is doing. Focus on building your own. It's like one thing, it's like you can see it in different reality TV shows, like The Bachelor and everything else, where you can see whoever it is, like where a guy or a gal, they coming in and they start bitching about like what somebody else is doing and discussing <laughs> what does this person has in another relationship. Yes. No, you're wasting your time. Focus on building your own instead of what everybody else is doing. So in a similar way, in the beginning, through that early stages, the only focus that you do need to have is first start figuring out whether it's the person I'm interested in or not. And if it's yes, start building your own relationship. Once you have a certain foundation, let's, I don't know, maybe five to 10 days, give or take, when you have, you already know something about each other. You know a little bit about each other's story, about each other's lifestyle, and patterns you already have some common ground you already know the person quite well then you can start like okay like what was your life before like what was the other relationship this seems like a natural stage when you already have established some common ground we like each other you seems like at this point like a decent person i know your story what you're about right and your lifestyle now let's talk about this like what happened before and have this light conversation about it and I would say you also have to figure out the person that you're with. So for example, in our relationship, I was more comfortable talking about past relationships and I was also very curious about yours. You, on the other hand, didn't seem to want to talk about them. And I, my, my thought process of that is that guys don't really want to know about the other guys that you spent time with. They want to know sort of the bare minimum details that they need to know, but they don't need to know details where women are pretty curious. <laughs> We're like, How many women did you kiss? How many <laughs> we go too deep, which sometimes is not for our own benefit. Most of the time it's not for your own benefit. Most of the time. Okay. But is that a fair analysis? Do you think that's true or what would you say? Yes. Well, there's a natural difference between men and women. Like as a woman, you like to chat and yap about all these relationships and you can see like in all sorry, these hold shows. On a second. We like to what? Chat and yap? Exchange very valuable and useful information. We like to connect. For the sake of better future decisions, right? <laughs> to have a constructive dialogues <laughs> about very important issues. Okay. That's what I meant yes. by yapping. Continue. It's like a short version, uh, right? No. A little slang. All right. So the the important yes, there is the natural difference. Like women like to discuss the relationship, mm-hmm. guys not so much, right? And so sometimes understanding what is the relevant information. To a degree you want to have an understanding, okay, have you been in a serious relationship? Or not, right? If you have been, like, what happened? Why didn't it work out, right? But if the person haven't been in serious relationship, then you can see, oh, why not? Did it just not happen? Did you not look for it? Kind of. That's it. You don't have to then break down the detail of every single relationship. Yeah. You just have to get a little bit of a general picture. I guess the more underlying question is, what information are you trying to extract and why? from knowing that? How yeah. is it going to benefit you? Is this just a useless information or is it going to help you? There's this beautiful part about sales. When you go through initial part of sales, you're going through something called the fact gathering. You're trying to, you're asking a client who comes in, potential client comes in, you're asking them all the questions about their needs and desires and the products. The key right there is only ask the relevant questions. So you're not asking something useless that is not going to help you along the way. So the similar way in your life, I can stop asking useless questions, talking about useless thing that have no value or meaning whatsoever mm-hmm. so the same way in here talk to to the person to the person you're dating only about things that matter like this generic 
questions like, oh, have you been in a serious relationship? If no, yes or no. If you have been, why did it not work out? Instead of going into those details, oh, how was this girl like? Like, who gives a shit how was she like? Mm-hmm. You know, you're not her, she's not you. Agreed. Okay, the next question, does age matter? I'm going to go with this one first. I was one of those people who had the rule that I would not date anyone younger. I didn't want anyone significantly older, but I always thought my age or slightly older. My two serious relationships were younger than me. And then with my now husband being, what are you, six years, six years younger than me. And a half. <laughs> six years younger than me. If you look at the passport, <laughs> it's technically it's, seven. It's, okay. But okay. because you're in, born in December and I'm in April, so we can say six and a half. Okay, so here is my two cents about this. I don't think age matters. It's the maturity level and the actions of the man. So by far, when I started dating Vlad, he was leaps and bounds above any other guy that I had dated in how he was approaching life, how he was approaching relationships. There was a seriousness about him that I didn't find in my past relationships. So I think you have to assess where the guy is in his life. Is there space for you at that time in his life? And what actions does he show? I think that's more important than age. And then on the on the flip side, I wouldn't recommend dating somebody who's leaps and bounds older than you. Connection is connection, but you also want to be able to enjoy certain aspects of life together and go through them at a similar stage. What do you think? First of all, age does matter, right? You got to make sure it's legal. Cause okay, yes. That That's the first all part right, that I Mr. think it's important yes. address that, okay. especially with common friends, right? <laughs> but <laughs> when it comes to the actual number, there's this beautiful saying that, old age is not a sign of wisdom just like youth is not a sign of creativity so in this case just was sort of saying like focusing on having a similar life experience right it doesn't have to be the same but it's important part when you have like too much age difference that you have a very different life experience it's very hard to relate to each other on a certain level not that it's impossible but it just makes it a little bit harder so what you're looking for is not necessarily the age but somebody on a similar maturity level and with a similar life experience right going through similar stages that's going to make life easier but ultimately you have to be comfortable with this as long as it's legal and as long as you're comfortable that's all that matters mm-hmm I think you also have to test out situations. I remember somebody telling me that they were dating somebody who was a significant amount of years older than them. They were sitting in the living room. He was sitting on the couch, just kind of lazing around, and she was actually doing cartwheels across the floor. Like This is not the right match. The energy level is not matched. So find somebody who's vibrating at a similar frequency, who enjoys doing activities that you like to do as well to some extent, because... It's going to get boring if you're both so far apart. You love each other, but you don't have anything in common. You don't share any interests. Or maybe one of you has already gone through that stage of their life. It's going to be challenging to keep it going, to keep the spark alive. All right. The next question is, when and how do you have the what are we chat? What do you think? Well, I think a good time to have this conversation is the moment you start wondering about it, right? Because you're obviously not wondering about this between on the first two, three dates. You're not thinking about it. What are we? But at some point down the road, like whether it's five, 10, 
dates, maybe it's a month or two, you start wondering, okay, it's been long enough that it's not just casual, what are we? And I think this is a natural good indicator when to clarify that conversation. I think once you start to recognize that you like the person and that this is somebody that you potentially could have something more serious with, you start to open up those questions of what are you looking for? And then you start to see if you're looking for the same thing. But just make sure that you actually like the person enough, you're starting to build a rapport together to move into that stage of questioning. Anything else you would add? No. Is there a good way to ask? I heard somebody, I don't remember who said, I think it was quite well, one of the best things that I heard at this moment about it is just talking about it, that sharing it from your own experience. For example, I like this relation. This seems like to going well. I really enjoy it. I'd like it to be more exclusive. How do you feel? Mm -hmm. I'm of the belief that if the guy is serious, he's going to make his intentions known pretty quickly. With us, early on in the relationship, you said this is going to be something serious. So you put it out there. I think that the men should be more of the pursuer in the relationship. Mm -hmm. And if he is serious about that woman, he is not going to want to keep her on the market very long. He, guys don't like to share. A hundred percent. The little caveat in here sometimes to make sure you clarify it. Because the guy, for example, in his mind, he may, because sometimes you don't know, or are you going around on other dates? Are you seeing other people? This is something that you naturally don't know unless you hire a private investigator. If anybody needs a contact, I have a, I have a guy, right? But this, these some things you can clarify. So the guys could be, there have been examples when the guy seems like he's super into you, he's treating you well, but it turns out he's still been seeing other people. Or you weren't sure about him, but he was all in. And you asked him, like, oh, are we exclusive? And he's like, yeah, definitely. We are for sure. So sometimes understanding how good the communication skills of your men are. And sometimes in his mind, and he could have been taking this for granted. Yeah, oh, yeah, of course we're exclusive. But you just don't know. So having those like gentle ways how to make sure you're up to date and you're on the same speed. I like the idea too of saying like, I'm really enjoying where this is going. I'm starting to develop real feelings for you. And I want to make sure that we're on the same page so we don't waste each other's time. I think that's an easy way that you can bring it up once you've dated him for a few weeks and you know that you really like the guy. And if he goes, oh, I'm just looking for something casual, then be willing to walk away. If you know what you want and he's not willing to give it to you, then there will be another guy out there who is. You just have to be clear in your boundaries. Amen. Amen. All right. Next question is, should a woman build a career first before dating? Do you want to hit this or you want me to go? No, I can hit this first. This is one of the examples I heard Tony Robin say, change your questions, change your life. That is another thing. This is a stupid question. Uh, and I'll show you why. Because this is one of those questions, oh, do I get this or that? You're, you're asking either or question when the answer is both and. So in this case, oh, what do I do first, uh, career or dating? How about you do both? Because think about it this way, right? Both of them have different needs. When it comes to your career, you're working, I don't know, like 40 to 80 hours a week, whatever amount of time, right? You're putting in to build that skill set, to advance yourself, to build it up. When it comes to dating, you don't need that much time, right? Even when you're married and you have like in terms of how much quality time you spend together, you don't need to, you don't need to spend 40 hours a week together. Just like what Jordan Peterson said, to have a flourishing relationship, you need at least 90 minutes 
per week talking about the mundane stuff and at least one date a week to maintain a relationship of flow, the kind of like a bare minimum. It's like think about it in perspective. So with this time frame, right, is is it is it possible for you to invest even 60, let's say you're super career focused, 60 hours for your career, and let's say five hours for dating and building a relationship? Most likely, yes. So instead of asking, oh, do I do this or do that? Ask, how do I make both work? End of story. Okay, I have a slightly different answer. I don't think that you need to do both at the same time because sometimes there's just really busy seasons in your life. But I think if you know that ultimately you want to be in a relationship, that you should still be learning about men and learning skills to have better relationships with men, even if you're not ready to date yet. So this is something that I see with a lot of women who've built their career, they're very successful, they're very independent. And then at 35, they kind of pop their head up from their career and they look around and they go, where are the men? But they've spent so much time out of the dating field that, and kind of in this task, go, go, go mode that they try and approach dating like that. And it just doesn't work that way. So I would say hone your skills as you're going through your career, if you're really wanting to focus on that. And then when you have a little bit more time, start playing with relationships, start putting yourself out there. Yeah, this is a very, in a, in a way, interesting question, right? Even though it's, I think it's a bad question, but it's an interesting topic to discuss because when you look around, both if you choose either or, let's say whether career or dating, both have certain benefits and vulnerability. Just like as you mentioned, it was mm -hmm. a great example. If you just choose to go career first and then dating, there is a risk that you can run into, don't have to, but you high probability that when you build a career, you're 35, you look around and everybody else is married and it's hard to find anybody with your life experience who's available. Or in the opposite is also if you got married young and at third, so something like you spent 10 years and then for whatever reason you fell apart and a relationship got separated and now you're 30, 35 and you cannot provide for yourself and now you're vulnerable. You're you're thinking about, okay, do I stay in this, let's say, potentially abusive relationship because I need money or do I go in and struggle by myself, right? So those are two risks that you can have in these relationships. So that's why I think obviously how to go through seasons, you can, may have a couple months here, a couple months here, but try to build both right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. All right, this is another part that um, in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey talked about the part of what human beings have different roles in their life, right? For example, like husband, friend, cousin, son, neighbor, etc. right? Like um, at work. And when it comes to these roles, he said, like, people naturally don't think creatively enough. They don't think wide enough, right? They just try to think either or I'm either a husband or I'm a successful at my workplace. But in reality, you need to you need to have at least three to five roles. You can be a husband, a son, a friend, a worker, a neighbor, right? So thinking wider. So the same thing is like when it comes to your life. I think a lot of people don't think wide enough. Okay, I need to work. I need to have a career. I need to date. I also need to be a friend. I need to be a daughter, like whatever that is. You need to think wider and then figure it out how to fit in your life because all of these roles don't need the same amount of time right it's like for you to be successful at work and see your family you don't need to see your family 40 hours a week right seeing them mm -hmm. once a month could be enough or maybe once every second week whatever it is so you you try to fit in everything that is important in your schedule one other thing i would add is something that i've seen time after time 
even for women who are 60, 70, 80, women who are feminine are able to attract masculine men. So if you're going into your career and you're approaching it like you need to act like a guy for that decade, that's not a great place to be. Make sure that you are still pouring into your femininity on the side. So when you come out and you're ready to actually intentionally start dating, you haven't neglected your femininity totally. You want to build it into you building a career as well. Yes. Yes. Just like to wrap it up. There's another thing that Stephen Covey said, succeeding at one very important area in your life at expense of the failure in another very important area in your life is not a win. There we go. Okay. The final question. What do men want from women? Not a big question at all. And then the following question, what do you wish that women knew about men? This is all you. Oh, that's a fantastic question, right? I think these are one of the kind of questions that you have two parts to it. First, there are things that are objective and there are things that are subjective. Objective meaning there are some universal principles that certain group or or species have that unites them and subjective is like natural personal preferences right so and in this case you have different like when it comes to what do men want there are different groups of men like naturally what do you want in a woman you want her you want to find her attractive a like for sure like whatever your standards of beauty that could be subjective personal but you're going to want to find her reasonably attractive that when you look at her like okay she i like i like her now, the second part is you want somebody with good enough character to share this journey with, right? So unless you're looking some for some sort of roommate, like a decoration in your house, if you're looking for a partner to go through life with, you are looking for that character, somebody who's going to make your life better, somebody who you can really trust on the emotional level as you're going through it, right? So one of those foundational principles that you're looking for is somebody you find attractive, somebody you can trust in terms of their character, and somebody who's on a basic level going to make your life better. Somebody who's easygoing, right? Who's not a quarrelsome wife, but somebody who is looking to make things easy. It doesn't mean you don't get into fights. You're going to get into fights, but somebody who's not trying to look for a fight when they're bored. I think that's another very important part and somebody who's going to not try to put you down as a man, right? not criticize you. Not, I'm not talking about giving a competent feedback when something is clearly wrong, but not somebody who's constantly looking for flaws and trying because of their own insecurity, trying to bring this man down. You often see this in a relationship when the wife is trying or a girlfriend trying to make fun of her partner in public. Terrible, terrible quality. Right. So these are kind of like those like basic standards and all the other things that are more subjective. Right. You have to think about like what kind of a man that you're looking into. Like most men, what they will want is they want to be respected and then they want to be loved and valued in that order. Okay. And then the second question was, what do you wish women knew about men? You can speak for mm -hmm. mankind. Yes. So this is one of those things that you like, these are one of those like objective, the universally most, most men will find applies to them first that they want to be respected. All right. Obviously you can do that in according to their competence, right? It's like, you don't, not everybody has to be treated like a king, but for whatever it is they do, they want to be respected. Right. And how sometimes they often value peace in their life. 
as much as the like fun and excitement and connection, some of the moments like not every problem need to be discussed. And also the timing of the issues, right? I guess I would put this into the third part is understand the man's timing. It's like you may look at him, oh, he's not doing anything or he's walking from this place to this place that he's easily available, but that's not the same way he works. Right, you may think it's a good time to talk to him, but in his mind, he's already thinking about something else. Alison um, Armstrong was talking about it very, very well. So I think like the third thing to understand the man's timing, just because you think he's ready to receive information, he's ready to listen, doesn't mean he is. Let me jump in there for a second. What's a good way for a woman to check if it's the right time to have a conversation? Uh, let me think. Well, how about asking, is this a good time? <laughs> it's not sarcastic at all. But but it's as simple as that, right? It's like it's a you see it in restaurants. There's a, a beautiful um, rule that everybody has every time they're trying to approach each other. When the, the people who work there, they always say, "May I?" Right, getting somebody's attention. I think it's a beautiful little things to making sure that the other person is ready to do it because they may be doing something else. They may in their in their mind they're already thinking about another task, and it's just merely a polite gesture saying, "Okay, do you have a minute?" Can I talk to you about something? Oh, if no, when can I? I would add, after being with you for quite a while, you start to learn what their timing is. So for example, when he gets up in the morning, I know that he has his list of things that he's going to do. And even if I want to talk to him about something, which sometimes I do, I know that I'm not going to get the quality of conversation. I'm not going to get the type of answers that, or even the type of dialogue that I would like to get if I ask him at that time. But if I wait a little bit longer till he's got his coffee, he sat down, I know we're gonna have a better conversation. Same thing when he comes home. When he comes home, he puts the keys down, he gets out of his work clothes. I know right then is the time, especially if it's another task, something that he needs to address. That's not the time. He's just gone through his entire day of task, task, task. He needs to sit there, zone out for 10, 15 minutes, and usually he actually comes to me and I know that it's a good time to talk. Mm -hmm. I think that's a beautiful part. We're just watching marriage series and our pastor was talking about the reality, how this part combines together respect and the timing. It's like oftentimes a lot of men are discouraged. For example, he's coming in from a long day of work when he was busting his ass. He's coming home and literally the moment he opens the door, the wife comes in. Oh, here's the kid. You're 10 minutes late. If you would write there, if you just give him literally five, 10 minutes, not even more, just take his shoes off, take a second, have a glass of water or a drink to switch his mind and come in and like, oh, you got a little late, everything's okay, right? And just come in and relax for 10 minutes and then do the switch, it would have gone such a long way, right? So to summarize, I would say respect, peace, and timing. Okay, that inspired me. You said something about the king, like you don't need to, he doesn't need to be the king, but I think he does. So I think this is very important, ladies, when you are in the selection process, you want, this is when you want to be not, I'm not talking about being outwardly critical of him, but you want to be analyzing in your own mind, does this guy have what it takes? Would I be comfortable letting him lead us? Is he competent? If he's not competent in the dating stages, if he's not showing up, you won't look at him like he is this king. And he should look at you like you are that queen. You want to know that the person you chose is the absolute best person for you and that you respect and you love them. Mm -hmm. If you look at him like he's just kind of this jester that you have to put up with, what a miserable life that will be. Mm -hmm. 
I think it's actually a point in the right there bringing to back to what I said. This is where my position is subjective. This is purely my preference, right? Because I like to be treated based on merit and I like to improve and make myself better as I go along. So I don't want to be treated for more than I am. That mm-hmm. makes me personally, subjectively feel uncomfortable but i think like there's a lot of people who want to be treated the guy want to be treated like a king or the girl want to be treated like the most beautiful thing on earth and it's a beautiful part if you're this kind of person do it and enjoy it. that is the part that is subjective based on a person you you may find some man who's gonna you treat them like he's the like he's the man of everything of every realm of human endeavor he's the best and he's gonna love it and they're going to be a man like me. It's like, if I'm no, I'm not the best. I don't want to be treated like I'm the best in this. So in this case, you kind of get to know the person and talk to them and ask them how do certain things make them feel and adjust based on that. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying make him feel like he's something that he's not. I'm saying when you are yes. starting to date someone, make sure that when you look at them, you're proud of that person. You're excited to be with that person. If you just have to put up with him or you feel slightly embarrassed by his actions, that's not the right guy. And you're not even going to be doing him justice because it's never going to be this back and forth relationship where you really feel like you both ended up with the best deal. You both are the prize. Yes, I think that just right there inspired a very important disclaimer to say like when I say a tree, you know, like a king means you amplify something. It doesn't mean you pretend for something that doesn't exist mm-hmm. like there's this funny scene in grown-ups too like we're not doing that or this- <laughs> hold on so we've got jordan peterson um who, stephen covey and then grown up <laughs> yeah. my mind is a <laughs> wild combination of different areas and different resources right so then grown-ups too there's this funny moment like when there's they have a young kid and the husband comes home from work and the wife is doing math with a kid based on cards and he's oh like let's see what you're doing and the wife says seven plus three and the kid says 24. and he looks at him like what the fuck is happening and she said great yeah don't destroy his confidence right so that is an important part that, that that when you look treated somebody like a king you don't pretend that he's great at something that he's not if he's completely dirty and misorganized like oh look you're so good at organizing everything no he's not right mm-hmm. so you don't have to pretend for a quality that doesn't exist treating somebody like a king means sometimes you amplify it right for example if he's strong reasonably fit and you're like oh you're the strongest man on earth but it's not like he's like overweight and can't lift a donut and he's like oh you're you are so strong right there's the part you're amplifying you're not pretending to fill up the absence of something a symbol like baby your muscles are looking good yeah when he's actually working out not when he's just chugging beer and eating donuts yes okay so this has been a great episode thank you mr bogdanov for coming on the femininity project podcast did you enjoy yourself tremendously anything you want to leave the women of the world with yes be wise and think think in a detailed nuanced manner avoid blank extremes and templates okay ladies have a wonderful week cheers cheers to a fiercely feminine future say it one more time but faster cheers to a fiercely feminine future